Hi everyone, welcome to episode 25 of an Inside View podcast with On The Ball Team Building. If this is your first time listening to us, please do go back to episode 1 and have a listen. We'd really, really appreciate it. Please do rate, review, tell your friends, family, whoever may know about the podcast. It you it mean a huge amount to us. Um, that one recommendation, that one referral, um, it could go uh, a long way. Any interaction that you may have about the podcast or in relation to the podcast, Please do tag um, on the ball team building and do do tag guests too. We'd like to give a big shout out to our sponsors, GRG Sports, who have been a great sport over the last couple of weeks. Um, and if you're looking for any sports gear or business team wear, be sure to get in contact with them. It's now time to bring on this week's guest and I'm delighted to be joined by professional Irish boxer Jason Quigley. As an amateur, he became European gold medalist and world silver medalist, named a few of his remarkable achievements. Hailing from the hills of Donegal, he became a professional boxer in 2014 and signed with Oscar De La Hoya's Golden Boy Promotions. With a record of 18-1, he is now teamed up with former world champion Andy Lee, and Quigley's career is very much on the rise and going the right direction. Coming from the hills of Donegal, to spending time in Los Angeles, moving to Sheffield, and now back in Donegal, we definitely have a huge amount to cover. Hi Jason, welcome to an interview podcast. How are things up in Donegal these days? The very best. It's uh, it's a great time of uh, it's a great time now. Just to think for us to appreciate where we're from and to appreciate what we have around us because. I think it's given a lot of people a lot of time to realize that um, how to realize how important our own surroundings are, especially with these five K lockdowns and all this crack. Like, so we're kind of we're kind of stuck with it at the same time. But I have to say now we're we're lucky up here in Donegal with plenty of uh, plenty of nice places. You're you're are you close to that uh, that Finn Valley? That's where you do a lot of training, is it? Yeah, yeah. So I'm just. Um, two minutes from Finn Park, um, three minutes from McCool Park, and I'm about seven minutes from the Finn Valley Centre. So I have everything at my doorstep. I'm uh, I'm gifted now for sure. You just know your your look. Yeah, I was uh, I was looking at that a uh, few few weeks ago, and it's, it looks like a brilliant facility. In fairness, it is now. It's an unbelievable job, and uh, you know Pat McGonigal and the community around here did an amazing job with the Finn Valley Centre. Like. If you were ever in it, you see the pictures from when it was way back in the day and what it is now. And you're like, how did it become this when it was that? It's unbelievable. So it is. It's a great facility to have on our doorsteps for any type of any type of person that wants to just keep in shape, whether it be uh, athletics, football, rugby—you know—they have absolutely swum and they have absolutely everything down there. Like it's it's, it's unbelievable, sort of. And had you um, a few fights there in your amateur career, early days? Is that where you kind of started off? That's where all my uh, not all my amateur fights, but my home show amateur fights. A lot of them would have been in the Fun Valley Centre and would have been packed to the rafters and all my homecomings in as well whenever I was boxing international. You know, all the homecomings from the worlds, from the Europeans, 
from national championships. Everything was there. Now I have some great, great memories from Valley Centre that will, will stay with me to, to the day I'm seven foot under. <laughs> Hopefully there will be many more memories now to come over the next couple of years. Um, I just suppose, look, we'll, you know, just how are you finding you know, the, the lockdown? I know we're, we're in a lockdown at the moment, but how are you finding do you find a big difference between the first lockdown and the current lockdown? I suppose the long evenings can be testing. Yeah, well, like, to be honest, the first lockdown, I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> I really did. And there were a lot of people saying, what's wrong with that, man? But for me, a fella that's always on the go, that's always traveling, that always has something coming up, it was the first time probably in my adult life that I was able to just kick back, relax, and not have a suitcase packed or the passport ready to go anywhere or to do anything. It was an unbelievable experience. I got the t- time to spend with a family that I don't usually get, and it was just unbelievable. Nobody was going nowhere. Nobody was doing nothing. You couldn't go and see anybody. You had to just stay in your own thing, which was amazing because... Like before, when I was living away from home, every time I came home, I had to go visit this one, that one, there was someone coming visiting here. You never really had that bit of quality time at home yourself, whereas the whole lockdown, I really enjoyed it. I was power hosing, I was painting fences, I was anything I could get my hands at, I was at it as well, but it was great. You know, it was it was great kind of to live a kind of a normal life. You know, I was just going out the back garden doing a bit of painting, cutting grass, whatever, power hose, whatever I was doing. Then I was coming out at lunchtime having a ham and cheese toasty and a packet of potato and a cup of tea and things like, you know, little small, simple things that uh, that mean so much to us sometimes. You know, I really did. I really did enjoy it, I have to say. But this time around now, I think it's just, it's a completely, it is more of a bother now this time around with the lockdown because stuff is still going ahead. You know, like, the last lockdown, everything was shut down. Nobody was going nowhere. Nobody was doing nothing. Whereas this lockdown, we don't have the weather we had either. It's getting a lot darker earlier. And, you know, life is still going on, but we're really restricted to everything that we can do right now. And this is going to hit a lot of people a lot harder, I think, this time around. And... You know, I think one of the key things we can do throughout this second lockdown is just take one day at a time. You know, things are changing every day. We're getting a bit closer to a vaccine, whether people's going to take it or not going to take it. Um, we're getting, we're always, every day we're getting closer to opening back up again. And I think we just have to take it one day at a time, make the most out of the day that we're having, make the best out of it give it absolutely everything, try and stay as positive as we can, get out for a walk. I know the dark evenings now aren't helping things and the rain and the cold and everything like that, but weirdly enough, it can be nice to get out into the cold and get into the rain and go out for a good walk or run or whatever it may be and come back and feel that sense of achievement and just take a few things out of your head and just, uh, you know, help you mental, mentally more than uh, physically as well. And as a professional boxer, um, what do you think have been the biggest challenges over, we say, this, you know, since March, since COVID really kicked in? 
is it uncertainty really I suppose you don't know when you're going to be back in the, in the ring yeah as I said like it was uh, like this lockdown I could have had like three or four of the biggest fights in my life throughout this lockdown like I was meant to be fighting on the Dillian White um, Pravekin undercard Katie Taylor undercard as well in Manchester in May against Jack Cullen obviously that was the first one and like there was no real disappointment of course you were disappointed that didn't happen but the whole world was in lockdown like you couldn't really dwell on it too much like it wasn't as if it was just that show that was cancelled the whole world went into lockdown really so you know that didn't hit me too hard um whereas we moved on then into the lockdown and there were some fights happening. Eddie Hearn's backyard was a potential fight for me. It fell through. Meant to be getting the biggest fight of my career against Canelo Alvarez. It fell through. And, you know, I had two or three other dates lined up that, that just didn't happen. You know, and, and it's a real tough and difficult time to go through. But I kind of stayed in a routine of getting good sleep eating healthy and being active like you know because there was weeks two three weeks maybe that a fight didn't happen and I fell out of routine a little bit and you know just got into a bit of a rut eating rubbish up late at night and not getting up to all hours of the day then and just just feeling like shite then like you know what I mean like you just whenever you're doing that you just you don't feel 100% at all like and you're not ready to get up and face today and to face what's going on in the world right now either so I kind of hit myself a kick up last and I says look we just have to get into routine now and we have to we have to push on and just try and live every day as best we can and not look too far ahead of us because it's so unsure it's so uncertain um, but as a as an athlete and as a professional boxer, like it was, it's, it's very difficult because you're entering away every day and you're keeping in shape and you're trying to watch what you eat and you know it's it was nothing coming up. You're like, what am I doing this for? Like, you know what I mean? But um, to be honest, like I have just really done it just for my, my mindset and my own mental health and everything like that as well like I really just had to stay in routine stay in structure and uh, you know try to be as positive as possibly good and how do you deal with those you know, say those bad days that you know you are in a rut and all that um, like do you have like do you get up early in the morning like is that your do you win do you win every, every morning or what's your normal routine just to kind of get you going every day um, yeah like for me every like every morning now I've been getting up at, at, at 7.30 I've just been just been waking up at 7.30 coming downstairs and sticking on the kettle having a hot water and lemon and just taking a half an hour to do it a few affirmations that I do to just think back on the week and that I've had and see how I can better myself see how I can deal with situations better see how I can think a little bit more clear-minded moving forward and look at the things that I'm grateful for you know now is a time that we're looking at things and being like oh this is shit and that shit and everything's fucking shit like you know what I mean <laughs> whereas I think this is a stage now that we have to kind of look at things and be like 
well, what do I have in my life now that I'm grateful for? And what do I have in my life now that other people don't have and are going through a difficult time as well without something that I do have and that I'm just taking for granted right now? And, you know, that's, that's, that's my family and the people that I have around me right now. And, you know, I'm grateful. Obviously, we might be able to get to see the extended family as much. But, you know, the family that you're living with then. You know, those are the people that you, that you have to be grateful for and that you have to, you know, you have to navigate your way and communicate with each other through this difficult time as well. And, you know, you're going to have bad days, you're going to have good days, but you know, on the bad days, you're going to have to communicate and say, like, look, I'm just having a shit day, like, do you know what I mean? Instead of going about with a head on you and thinking you did something wrong, this, that, whatever, like, you have to kind of just sit up and talk and be like, look, I'm having a shit kind of day here and, uh, you know, talk your way through it because at the end of the day in these lockdowns, like, there's only people that you're with. So we have to try and look at the things that we're grateful for, um, the things that we enjoy to do, the things that we have here and we are able to do right here in front of us inside your 5K and, uh, you know, push forward with it and, and just try to be as positive as you can. How do you find the 5Ks? Have you been running 5Ks at a set timer? Yeah, well, I've been uh, I've been staying and uh, trying to stay inside the 5K as much as I can. I can go outside it because of elite athlete status and everything like that there. So I can go up and down to Dublin, do some training as well with Andy. Um, but in terms of running now, I did the first lockdown. Like I ran my, f- my first 16K, did a few 10Ks. Everything like that there. So I've been uh, I've been getting on the roads and been pounding it, and I've actually enjoyed the long running as well um, because like it's not just a crazy high intensity pace for a short period of time. It's like you need to pace yourself out. You need to stay nice and relaxed and calm and not you know kill yourself mentally as well as physically. Um, so I've been really enjoying the runs and everything as well and seeing parts of Donegal that I've never seen before. <laughs> so that's uh, no, good and I've been getting on well with it and you know, I really enjoy that side of it as well. Brilliant, brilliant. Um, I suppose if we bring it back to the, to the early days, uh, when did boxing start for you? Um, do you know, was it something you were brought up in or did you, did you come late to it? Did you come to yeah, well, it? Um, I came into my father was a boxer when he was younger. He had a massive interest in boxing. Um, I watched Prince Nassim Hamid box Mark Antonio Barrera. That was my initial. That was my initial attraction to boxing. I stayed up four or five in the morning to watch it, just barely keeping my eyes open. <laughs> and uh, as soon as the fight came on, though, I was buzzing. First time in my life, I had goosebumps on me. The hairs were standing on my, my arm and my neck and you know, right away at such a young age I got this like I want to do this, like this is something that I'm very interested in. And when you can put an emotion and attach that feeling and emotion to something, especially at that age when you don't really understand what it is, that's uh, that's a stage where you become very interested in something. And, uh, you know, that was, that was the kickoff point for me there. Then I went to my first boxing club in Donegal Town. It was the St. John Bosco Boxing Club. And uh, everything kicked off from there. And you had that feeling again then when you, um, when you made your professional debut in the MGM. Yeah, it was, uh, 
So my pro debut was at the MGM Grand in Las Vegas. I boxed on the Canelo uh, Lara undercard. And Prince Nassim Hamid and Marco Antonio Barrera boxed in that same arena. And, you know, whenever you're watching the big fights, it's all behind the scenes as well. They're watching them walking out the tunnel before they get to the curtain and walk into the stadium. Like, And I remember Barrera was walking towards the the curtain to go out into the stadium and you seen the big uh, tiger, the big MGM Grand Tiger up on, up on the wall. And that was something that stayed in my memory. And next thing I knew, I was walking that same route, that same tunnel and seeing the thing. And I was like, Jesus, oh, what am I doing here? Like, <laughs> you know, it was, uh, it was a crazy feeling. It was an unbelievable feeling, you know? And uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was a good time there for sure. Um, just I suppose, just a, a side question. What would you, how would you feel about you know fighting now in in stadiums with no fans? Are you just that eager to get out? You you wouldn't. Obviously. Yeah, like it's you know it's one of those things now that has just become the norm really uh, this year. And I've seen a lot of fighters, high level fighters and not so high level fighters, box on these bills and in these cards and. I haven't really seen like haven't really seen or heard any of them coming away saying, Oh geez, that's a disaster or oh this is unbelievable or like it's just been yeah, you just get in and get on with the job. Like, you know, I'm sure it is strange and it is different, but at the same time, whenever you get into the ring, it doesn't matter if there's sixty thousand people in the audience or if there's six people in the audience, like you don't really pay too much attention to it because you're so focused and you're so tuned in until the fight. So um, I can't speak yet, obviously, for that situation, but hopefully now in the near future, I will be able to speak about it and be able to share my experience on that. But as of uh, as of now, like I have no real worry about that or no real concern about it. Of course, it's going to be different, but we know it's going to be different. So it's, uh, there's nothing really there unexpected, I don't think, that um, we have to be aware of. You had a, a very, very successful and accomplished you know, amateur career. Um, was it ever the goal to go to the Olympics or did you always want to go to you know, become professional? Whenever I told you about my experience watching Prince Nassim Hamed, Mark Antonio Barrera, that was why I started a box and that's why I wanted to be a boxer to become professional world champion. Uh, to win the WBO brown belt that Mark Antonio Barrera had, that was my goal, that was my vision, that's what kick-started everything for me. Um, but then as I started boxing, the Olympics became the goal and... That was because it was a possibility. It was achievable. It was there. It was in front of me. Um, I went in 2013 and just had an unbelievable year. Became national Irish senior champion, European gold medalist, world silver medalist, and everything was just flowing and going unbelievable. World number one as an amateur. And it was just... It was great, like everything was falling into place for me. And the Olympics was a massive target, not only to get to them, but people had me picked to medal, if not even get a gold medal at the Olympics, and was a massive was a massive prospect for that. But then the contracts 
the temptations for professional boxing all came into play as well. And I think the end, the end reason and the, the end push that, that came to make me turn over into professional was that was why I started boxing. And that was the initial reason that I wanted to be a boxer. I wanted to take part in the sport. And that was the reason why I went down the professional route then. Just out of curiosity, uh, what would like a normal day be for you now? You know, when you're you're training with Andy Lee, um, it, like would you start training at nine pm and finish at a three or what? Roughly? Yes, so, like we would. For me you now, like whenever I'm at home, I told you the routine. I, I get up. I try to get up every day now, just at half seven, whether I have whatever going on throughout the day, and do my, my half an hour in the morning of, of what I do. It's right just to bring that into my life, no matter if I'm in training camp, no matter if I'm not, or whatever's going on. But once I, once I'm in training camp, we we usually train at ten a.m. in the morning. So uh, we're up early, get the breakfast, get the the fuel and this ready for our session. We'll go do our session, usually a boxing session in the morning. We'll do pads, bags, sparring, anything along those lines. And uh, we finish up then. That could be anywhere between an hour 15 to two hour session. And we'll do that. We'll go home, fuel up again, get a bite to eat, uh, chill out, get a bit of rest, go for a run in the evening, whether it be a long distance run, short distance run, sprints, or it could be strength and conditioning session. So it all varies too throughout the training camp. That's usually the norm of a routine. But as we go through training camp, uh, sparring becomes more essential in a, in a certain time of training. So that's worked on more. Um, fitness then is a different part of the training camp where that'll be worked on more. Um, so we work on certain aspects throughout the 8, 10, 12-week training camp. Um, but it's a, it's, it's a very chill, chilled out, lonely, boring enough kind of time in training camp whenever you're not training because you're just sitting around waiting for the next session. So there's a lot of Netflix. There's a lot of chilling out, taking it easy and uh, just getting ready to rock and roll for the next training session. And... You know, you see a lot of boxers, they, you know, they might go out to Spain or they might go, you know, to foreign training camps. Um, I came across that you're happy enough to stay in Ireland because I think yeah, it's I quite love, different, different things yeah. before. I love, uh, I love training in Ireland. Um, a, lot of, a lot of professional boxers have to go away in training camp to discipline themselves, um, to stay away from the temptations at home, to stay away from the food, the takeaways and, and the comforts. Whereas I think for me, you know, I'm very disciplined in a way. Um, you know, there's not much distracts me outside of the gym. Uh, Food-wise, I'm on point, I'm on key all the time. Always look after myself, right? Always come into camp in shape. Um, never really let myself get out, of, get out of hand in terms of weight or fitness or anything like that either. So, you know, I don't necessarily need to be taken away and locked up and you know being told you can't miss training or you can't eat this and you can't do that I have a a good hold on myself a good discipline on myself and uh, don't get me wrong it is great to get away in training camps every now and then as well just to 
break the monotony of training, uh, just to, to mix things up, freshen things up. And of course, you know, the, the hot weather training and the high climate training is great for the fitness, great for the body, recovery, also everything like that. So I'm very lucky as well that most of my fights are in LA. So I get two or three weeks in LA before my fights. I know I get all that vitamin D, I get that good warm weather, and uh, we get into the ring and, and we kick ass. It's uh, we just when did we say become professional actually happened? Was it around thirteen? Like, did it really kind of start becoming a prospect in? Um, and what drew you to Golden Boy? Um, so twenty thirteen was an unbelievable year for me in my amateur career. Um, I won the national senior championships, European gold medal, and got to the world final in 2013, coming away with a silver medal. So that was all in 2013. The world's ended in October. Obviously, the worlds were over. There was a lot of talk about me meddling, going to the Olympics. There was a lot of talk about me going professional. And... Golden Boy was in touch, Top Rank was in touch. I think the reason that I went with Golden Boy was because of Oscar De La Hoya. Um, the man has been inside the ring, has done everything that needs to be done as a professional fighter and knows the game inside and out, knows how a boxer wants and should be treated. So that was something very special for me to, to be able to sit down and talk with him, understand that as well. And I just love the, the people at Golden Boy, you know, Eric Gomez, Robert Diaz, Oscar, obviously, as well. And um, just great bunch of people. It's like a real family there. So it is. Um, everyone gets on so well. We're, uh, they're my, my, Mexican, my Mexican family over in L.A. So they're... And, you know, my management team as well, Sheer Sports, have been absolutely unbelievable. They've really brought me in as well. Like, when I moved over there, I really did. Like, Golden Boy was like a family. Sheer Sports was like a family to me. Um, I really did have a lot of great help and support whenever I was in LA. When you were in LA, um, you know, I suppose everyone paints a picture that you know, LA and Vegas, it's great crack and living the high life, the sun and all that. Um, it is all that, but there's probably a lot of difficult times as well that people don't realise. It is everything that you said if you weren't a boxer. <laughs> <laughs> so if you could just go over there and have the life, it would be unbelievable. <laughs> but whenever, uh, whenever you're a boxer, you have to watch what you eat, you have to get to your bed early, you have to be very disciplined. It's, uh, it's a difficult lifestyle to live over there. But don't get me wrong, look, the first year and a half was unbelievable. It was, it was such, like, coming from the hills of Donegal out to, to Hollywood, Santa Monica, Venice Beach. It was, um, it was a massive shock to the system, but in a good way. Like, I was like, wow, this is unbelievable. I'm never going to leave this place. Jesus, this is just great. But then, like, as the year went on, year and a half went on, everything just became kind of normal and you know i started missing home started missing my family started missing my friends it was just it was great but 
you were just on your own too much and it just wasn't good for me mentally um going going to the gym every day coming back to an empty apartment on your own majority of the time it was just a real difficult time and you know every day is not great either especially in boxing like you go to the gym you get injured you go have a bad day sparring you're coming back nobody just to kind of even change the subject, not even chat about it sometimes, but just change the subject and forget about it and move on to the next day. Like you nobody really to do that. And you know, I did have a lot of a lot of hard times over there, um, mentally, more than anything, just dealing with things on my own, going through a lot of things on my own. And uh yeah, it, it was rough and it was difficult and I think what made it worse was I was so hard on myself because I was in LA, I was living this unbelievable life, but I was so down in the dumps and, you know, it just was, wasn't in a good place. And, you know, I kicked myself over. I'm like, anybody back at home would take the arm off you for this opportunity. Like, and I'm sitting over here moping about things. And, you know, it was a difficult time, but it was just, it was a time that I had to go through. And, you know, I'm happy and I'm, I'm, Looking back, I'm really delighted that I did go through that time because it, it matured me way beyond my years. It, it it learned me to to be able to sit alone with myself and my thoughts and you know figure things out and not be afraid to sit and think on your own. Like nowadays, people can't sit in a room on their own without having to be on their phone or listening to music or doing something. And I was that person. I couldn't sit in a room if it was just quiet and empty. I was like, what's going on here? Like, <laughs> stick on about a music or a TV or do something. Like, but that was because I had so much emotions and so much things that I went through in my own life that, that, that I wouldn't have been proud of, that I wouldn't have been happy with, that, that I didn't want to go through in my life. And I couldn't sit with them because I never, I never accepted them. I never stood up and said I was wrong here. I did this wrong. I did that wrong, or I did this right, or you know, I couldn't, I couldn't sit and and look at my life because I or look at me because I wasn't happy with the person that I was. I wasn't happy with the life that I was living, and you know, I had to sit in and, and realize that has happened. The only way now to make things better is to stand up to these things, to confront these things, to own ownership of the mistakes and wrong things that you might have done in your life and move on and just try to be a better person. And that's so difficult. Like you try and sit and, and tell yourself that you weren't a really good person doing this or doing that or you know you did that wrong. Like it's it's hard to tell yourself these things. But once you do sit down and do it and, you know, you move on life with a, with a lot less weight on your shoulders and, you know, a different perspective. And that's what really showed me, you know, the way to be who I am today and the more clearer thinking, the more happier thinking and the more um, better outlook on life as well. So it, it definitely allows you, I suppose, to... Um understand your feelings and your body more would it would that be right yeah definitely like because you know as he says like we get sad or we get upset or we get these thoughts in our head that we don't want to be thinking sometimes and right away instead of sitting there dealing with it and um, coming to terms with it trying to understand it trying to find out what it is where it's coming from 
we end up putting music on, we end up going on our phones, we end up, people end up going drinking, people end up taking drugs, people end up, you know, doing things that they shouldn't do just to, to mask it, just to forget about it for a while. But it's never going away. And, you know, every one of us have cracks. Like, we're, none of us are perfect. We all have a crack there somewhere and we're never going to be able to fix that crack. But we have to look at it and, and realize it's there and understand that it's okay to be there. That's what's going to make me a better person when I move forward. That's what's going to make me be a more helpful, a more positive, a more happier person moving forward by realizing the cracks that you have and, and trying, to, trying to become a better person and learning from those things. And did it take you, like... Was it affecting your your training? Because you know, I try and just picture sometimes. You know, people might feel down, and you literally just feel down, dumped. You don't want to go training. Did you have days like that? Hundred percent. Like there was days like you just couldn't really get yourself out of the bed and get like that was one of my hardest things was to get myself motivated. Sometimes like and then I was questioning boxing. I was saying, do I want to box anymore? Do I like boxing? Like I fucking love it, but. It was just the things that I was going through. I was so, I was just couldn't get myself motivated at all. Didn't want to get out of bed. Just wanted to stay in bed and sleep all the time because when I was sleeping, I wasn't thinking about anything. And it, it was, it was difficult. Like it was hard to get myself motivated for, for training and different things. So yeah, it definitely was some of those things that, that really, that really got me. And obviously when you're finding how to motivate yourself to get to training, you're obviously not training to the best of your ability. You literally you need to be going in there with full of energy, full of uh, you know determination and wanting to give it a good rattle to get the most out of it. But you know, I didn't really have that sometimes over there because it was just so down in the dumps and you know maybe yeah a bit depressed and anxious and different things like that. Like so. Yeah, it's a, it was, was difficult times, but as I said, look, I'm happy that I went through these things to, to kind of get me to where I am now today. And naturally, look, everyone goes through uh, difficult times, and I suppose the thing is, very few people are able to identify them. You know, a lot of people don't, like you, you said there, they don't, they can't identify them, they bottle them up or they mask them. Um, what things would you do to just to kind of, I suppose, just to keep keep yourself at bay because everyone has mental health whether it's it's good or bad or you know it, it changes day to day um like whenever i was going through my hard times in la i, I went to counseling um i went and, and got help from somebody that's that studied this that has been through it themselves and somebody that um can can advise me the best way possible and i went to a lot of counseling sessions over in la back at home before even I went to LA, I had a few counseling sessions in LA, I had a lot of counseling sessions and you know, even when I came home I still had a, a lot of counseling sessions as well. Thank God I haven't felt the need or didn't really kind of come to the, the stage where my counselor was like, right, uh, you're not, not much wrong with you no more, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so it was kind of, it was kind of a thing like, it's probably, I think it might be the first time that I've actually come out uh, media-wise and said that I, that I have been to counselling. Um, I don't know whether I'm a bit embarrassed maybe to say that before or not. I don't know. But 
look, I think it's very important that we do chat about it. There's people out there to chat about. Um, very lucky that, you know, sometimes it can cost money to go and see counsellors, but there is people out there willing to negotiate their their prices to help someone. Like, it's not just money grabbing either. Like, they're, like these people that get into this job, they don't get into it because, like, oh, I can make a lot of money in this. First of all, the people that get into counselling is the people that wants to help somebody. So they understand that first and foremost, and they're going to do their absolute best to fit you in whatever means and ways necessary to, to help you and to, you know, to, to make you have a better life and a better way of thinking. And, you know, it's now when I look back on things, like, this world is so amazing. Like, it really is such an amazing place that we live in. There's so many great people that live in this world with us, around us every single day that if you're not looking at the world in the right way, you don't appreciate the goodness and the greatness that is out there. But once you can kind of cross that line and crack that that barrier, like, you know, there's so much blue skies out there to see because you know there's a lot of there's a lot of dark clouds there's a lot of hard times and when these things come around it's very hard to see good people in your life it's very hard to see good people in the world it's very hard to see good things going on in the world but once you can kind of change that mindset and change your own kind of frame of mind and that's coming to terms that not everything's perfect uh, we're not perfect we're not always going to do the right thing once you can kind of step away from that and move into, I'm just going to try and be better. I'm not perfect. I'm not the best person in the world, but I'm going to try and be better than I was yesterday. And once you can start doing that, you're going to see a massive change in your life. And, you know, don't ever be afraid to go out and to ask for help, to pay for help, to, to get whatever kind of help possible that is out there like it, it, it's so so important because this world is so amazing and, and we have to you know we have to get out there and look at it and in the good light that it is because there's so many people looking at it in the darkness and you know we need to we need to help these people and we need to let them understand that there is blue skies and sun out there and that there is a real happy positive life out there as well definitely no definitely and, and like i suppose a big thing that you know i see i suppose among my own age group that they might have the mindset is oh what would a counselor do um you know again like the perception that maybe they're only money money grabbing which is completely wrong like i always say just go and give it give it a you know just give it a chance because you don't really you don't really know the benefit of it until you go through it and 100 percent i you know i believe that yeah, like we, we have to understand that um, and it's such a word like it's okay not to be okay. Like and, and like we have to really understand that like if we go and see a counsellor, it doesn't mean we're weak, it doesn't mean we're not a, a strong person. It means that you're a stronger person than a lot of people out there if you can grow up the courage and you know, rustle it up somewhere to go and talk about your problems, to go and confront your problems, to go and say that I do need help. Like, I'm not living my best life right now. So I need help. And that that's totally fine. Like, and I think especially a lot of men our age and, 
you know, that especially come from more country, rural areas, like we, you come out and say, Jesus, uh, we bit depressed. Right away, they're like, Jesus, get away from that boy. Don't want to chat. Jesus, a fine day, anyway. <laughs> you know, like, anything to get away from it, like, and if, but of course, like, it is really, it is nowadays, like, it is becoming so much better, and people are talking out so much more. There's so much more help out there, there's so much more, um accessibility to things out there now as well and people are talking out about it so much more like it's it is great to see all that but we still need to keep spreading that word because there still is men out there that that are holding things in because i'm a man i can't be seen crying i can't be seen having problems i can't be seen saying that i'm upset or depressed or anxious about things like we're men, I, but we're human beings. Like we have feelings. We're happy. We're sad. We're buzzing. We're not buzzing. Like you know, we won. We lose. We're good. We're bad. Like that's that's just a complete way of life, you know. So not definitely like any man that tune in and listen to this. Like we're all going through difficult times, and it doesn't matter either if someone's mom dies of cancer or someone has an injury and can't compete in a football match like people will look and say the person that lost their mother that's a far more tougher situation than missing a football match with an injury it is when you look at it like that there but when the two people are going through something that's affecting them none of the problems are bigger or smaller than another because they're both issues that are affecting your happiness, that are affecting your well-being, and nobody's problem is, oh, sure, I don't really have a problem. If you're down the dumps, if you're not happy, if you're not living your full potential in life, then you're not your best. So it doesn't matter how big or how serious something is or how small it is. If it's affecting you, it's a major priority, and you need to try and get help for that. Like. And I suppose we'll we'll we'll, uh, we'll move on because um I uh, I keep asking questions about it and before I realize it it it'll, uh, it'll, it'll get lit too late um just how one thing that I've always been amazed about you and the time I met you there news talk probably as you coming up about a year ago um you're very grounded um and you're very appreciative and you're extremely proud of where you're from. Were you always were you always like that, or did you become that after moving away? Definitely after moving away. Um, I I was always proud of where I came from. I was always you know support our own and stuff like that there. But I always wanted to get away. Like I always wanted to leave Donegal. Like I was like, oh, I can't wait to get out of this place and leave it. And like as it says, after that year, year and a half, I was like. I hear Donegal's unreal. I want to get back to Donegal, like, you know. And you know, I really took for granted how great the people are here. Like not Donegal, like I, Ireland, like you know, Ireland is amazing. You know what I mean? And the people in Ireland's amazing. And um, you know, I really did miss it when I was away from it. And you know, I'm so proud and so honoured to come from where I do come from. I, I really do love it and enjoy the people, enjoy the culture and everything like that. There, like I. I am, I am, a, I am a Donegal Irishman, born and bred. Like, 
in 2017, didn't you win your first professional belt? Um, but it, you know, uh, something that was remarkable to happen, and that you broke your hand during the fight. Obviously, you can't really prepare for that. How did you? What went through your head, or can you remember that moment? Yeah. That fight was like the biggest fight of my career at that stage. Um, Golden Boy had just done a deal with ESPN and I was the first headline fight on that deal. Um, I was going to be headlining the first show between Golden Boy and ESPN. It was the NBF middleweight title fight. It was against Glenn Tapia. It was a, it was a great fight. It was a great matchup. Everything like that there and you know, I got into the ring, I was buzzing preparation, everything went great, I got in and was flying, hit him with a left hook at the end of the first round and he, he did the, the funny dance going back into the corner, so he did, and I just went out in the second round, just raring to go, raring to get him out of there, and I remember catching him with my right hand and just the pain just shooting straight up through my hand, I was like, Whoa, what happened there? So... Obviously, knew cracked, broke, something went wrong, and uh, that was fine. I, I just got on with the fight as best I could, using my jab, using a lot more movement of the ring and everything. So, came into the fifth or sixth round, and you're in the heat of battle. He's throwing punches at you. Next thing, I crack him with the right hand again, and ten times worse than it was the first time. And just after that, I couldn't really throw my right hand. And I just had to do everything possible to get through that fight. And I ended up winning the fight as well. Um, I think I lost one round in the fight. So, uh, no, I came through that fight. It was difficult. It was tough. It was grueling. But um, I got the job done and uh, did, what I, did what I had to do. Brilliant. And I say that you, you really you know, dug deep for that. And I suppose it did really... You know, highlight what you're made of, um, because you know you're based, you're basically fighting with one hand for a lot of it. Um, when after a year and a half, so you were kind of, you know, you decided you wanted to to move back, um, back home. You ended up in moving, uh, fighting out of Sheffield. How did that come about? Yeah, so I wanted to get a wee bit closer to home. Obviously, there wasn't at the time, you know, a lot of trainers at a high level in uh, in Ireland. And, you know, it was just, it was a difficult, couldn't get that close to home. Um, England was obviously the next next best option. And I was in contact with uh, Johnny Nelson um, from the England gym in Sheffield. He does the commentating on Sky Sports. He'd be a good friend of mine. He was my mentor when I was with the Sky Scholar Academy program. And got in touch with him, set me up with talks with Dominic Ingle over in the, the Ingle Gym in Sheffield. And we set up there, went over and met Dom, met, met the lads, and bang, I was in training with them before I knew it. And everything went great there. It was good. I really enjoyed my time there. But I still just had a very similar experience. I was still away from home. Like It was a lot closer to home, but I was just still away from home. And... I was in an apartment on my own. I had to kill a lot of time, and you know it was just difficult for me. Um, I did get a roommate then as well, big Eves uh, and Gabo. He was the European cruiserweight champion from uh, the Congo, and um, he is Belgian, but uh, he's uh, he was a great lad, you know, good crack. Really enjoyed that, and that really helped things as well. But I still just wasn't a hundred percent happy, and I needed to get back closer to home and. 
you know, that's when I've always been in talk with Andy and uh, we've always kept in touch with each other as well. And we ended up talking and getting in the terms of things and you know, giving me bits of advice throughout the career. Obviously, I came up then to my first defeat, which was very difficult. And Andy was there at the end of the phone with a message, you know, keep my head up and different things like that. So, been in touch with Andy and met up with him for a bite to eat up in Dublin. And next thing I knew, it was in the gym training with Andy. And here we are now today, like we're flying and looking forward now to the next fight, really. Brilliant, brilliant. And like from a person that, you know, watches boxing but wouldn't know that much about it, um, you know, the training wise and all that, going to different gyms, would you pick up different um, skills or? ways to fight or, or some stuff like that yeah like you know every every trainer every gym every sparring partner that you get in with you're always going to pick up and learn something and obviously la was a great learning for me uh, with manny robles and edgar over there the mexican style training mexican style coaching and the real tough hard grounded sparring over there as well was unbelievable then I moved then to the Engel Gym with a real elusive style and, you know, meeting all the lads in there, different kind of type of training, a different kind of an atmosphere and environment as well. And then going into Andy then, you know, trying really to get back to my boxing with a little bit more structure. And it was just like, there was like three real different aspects there that I had. And, you know, I really feel now that I've, I've hit the one that fits and, you know, everything's going along nicely now and, uh, you know, I've learned a lot on my journeys. It's time to put it all together now and uh, make it all count. And I suppose over the last couple of uh, months training with Andy, you developed a strong love for Dolly Parton. Is that true? <laughs> well, <laughs> not, not so much love, more hate, I would say, for the, <laughs> the Dolly Parton Jolene song. Every time Jolene... We would listen to the Jolene song and every time Dolly would say Jolene would have to do push-ups and we all know the, the chorus is Jolene, Jolene. <laughs> like, oh, for <laughs> So, uh, yeah, it wouldn't be, yeah, wouldn't be my, my number one pick of a song now for sure. Was there a point in your career, um, I suppose you might have touched on this already, that you fell out of love with boxing or... Yeah, do you fall, do you ever follow love completely with boxing? Yeah, without a doubt. You know, there was a few stages in my career. Uh, firstly, in my amateur career, you know, losing an Irish senior championships two, three years or two years in a row, getting to the final against Darren O'Neill and getting beat live on RTE television. I was like, God, oh, Jesus, where do I go from here? Like, you know, and and really thought like. Like, am I going to go any further here in boxing? Is this worthwhile anymore? Stuck with it, way I went and uh, beat down on Neil and went on and won the Irish Seniors and just took off from there. And then, as I said, you know, times in LA when I wasn't really enjoying it, I was like, is this for me? You know, like, is this what I want to do? And then after my, my first defeat as a pro, like, you have everything going through your head. You're like, oh, geez, I got beat there now tonight. Like, well, the worst is going through your head, like, where do I go from here? Is there any point now? Keep going, like, you know, but that's only for two or three days and you brush it off and, you know, your goals and your hunger and that fire burning deep down is all still there and you just go out and, you know, you go at it then again and just 
hell for leather, you know. And um, how important is it to to have you know a strong team during training camp? Um, and is it important to have a big team or a small team? It's important to have a very small team with very little voices and people that will tell you when you're doing right and doing wrong, people that you can trust and people that, you know, you have a good relationship with as well, that you have a bit of fun and a bit of crack with. Like, you know, you want, you need that enjoyment factor as well because, you know, we all need to enjoy what we do for if we don't, you'll not end up doing it for too long. So you need people that you can trust, a small circle with very little voices, um, not people coming in with all these different opinions and everyone not knowing which one to follow. You need to set a good structure, uh, people that you can trust, people that you know you have that trust in them, and uh, people that you know can have a laugh, can have a bit of crack, and you know everything's not too serious at the same time. And do you know when you're um, when you're training so with Andy, you know coming up the fights, or I suppose COVID, everything up in the air now. But ideally, would you stay in Dublin for eight weeks, or would you commute back to? I come home every weekend, so um, I stay up in Dublin uh, Monday to Friday, and I come home every weekend. So it's absolutely perfect for me. Like I just love that routine. So I do, you know, going up, putting in a hard week's graft, coming home from the weekend, chilling out, kicking up putting the feet up, relaxing, uh, switching off with you it, and then just straight in hell for leather again uh, come Monday and give it a good rattle. You know, that's a, that was the way that I worked throughout the amateur days as well up in Dublin. You know, with the Irish team, it worked perfectly for me. And, uh, you know, back into that same routine now that's, that I really look forward to and that I really enjoy. And... What would you do to switch off, to completely switch off? Obviously, try to stay away, try to stay away from the phone. But what would you, would you do reading? Would you be big into reading? Or? Um, yeah, so I would love, uh, love going to the beach, going for a walk on the beach, walk up the woods here with Drumbo Woods, just right, right down the road from us here, which is lovely. Um, going, I love going into, I don't really love it, but I, after it, I feel brilliant whenever I go into the ocean, going for a nice dip in the water. Um, so refreshing, just puts you on a different on a different level, like, and uh, you know, chilling out, relaxing, watching Netflix. Um, actually taking up over lockdown there, I've taken up playing a bit of poker online, and really enjoying that as well in terms of sussing your opponents out and strategies, and you know, it's a real it's a real thinking game and. Uh, really enjoying that as well now throughout the, throughout the lockdown brilliant brilliant we uh just to, we'll wrap it up now in a few minutes we just got a, a couple of questions in there um from people and i'll throw them to you so favorite place uh you fought in america uh it has to be the mgm grand las vegas like that's uh without a doubt as as we spoke earlier you know the reason I got into boxing was watching Barrera and Hamed box there and then actually being able to go there myself and have my pro debut. It's always going to be a place that uh, is very high up there, wasn't it? Would you sign with Eddie Hearn if he came, came knocking? If the opportunities was right and, you know, my contract was up with Golden Boy and things like that there, like, there's so many moving parts in boxing and... 
you know, right now I'm with Golden Boy Promotions. I'm absolutely delighted with everything that we're, they're doing for me and that we're doing together and the plan that we have in place. Um, of course, Eddie would be a great move as well in terms of having so many fights closer to home. And, you know, they have a lot of middleweight champions right now as well in the matchroom stable, which would be create a lot of great fights. So, uh, yeah, look, you, you have to keep your options open as well. And, you know, I know me and Eddie had a bit of beef through uh, Twitter and social media as well through, throughout the lockdown and different things like that. But, you know, this, this is boxing and, you know, we all, we all go through these wee situations that I made me too happy what he said and he made me too happy what I said. But look what Eddie Hearn's doing in boxing right now. is It's great for the sport. Um, what all promoters are doing now in boxing is great for the sport and everyone's trying to, you know, come together a lot more and try and make it more of a one scale unit so that everyone wants to get on and, and make all the big fights happen. Whereas for years there, this promoter didn't chat to that. So there was no hope of getting this fighter to fight that fighter. And, you know, that was a scale, but, um, no, look, I'd definitely be open to something if the opportunities was right and everything made sense. But, as of now, you know, I'm delighted to be with Golden Boy and we're doing great things at the minute and have a lot of great things lined up. Brilliant. I suppose you kind of answered my, my, the next question, but I'll, I'll just throw it due to the fact we, we got it in. Do you think Golden Boy are, are letting you down at the moment? Yeah, like, you know, a, a lot of people have seen this because I'm in Ireland, they're in LA, COVID, everything like this. It's um, It's been a real difficult time, but... You know, I don't, Golden Boy have never let me down in my career. They've always came through with whatever they have said or whatever they've committed to. And as I said earlier, you know, Golden Boy is like a, like a family, a Mexican family to me. And uh, they always will be. Um, when is your, your next dream fight? Yeah, your dream fight and who would it be? My dream fight was nearly happened already and that was against Canelo. You know, the man is the the king of boxing right now. Uh, he's in my weight category. For me to be the best in the world, you need to beat the best in the world. And I would love to get in with the likes of Canelo and uh, give him one hell of a rattle and, and see where he's at and see where I'm at. And, you know, really just get to that stage where you have fought at the top level. Know that you're you're right up there or that you are the king of the tree or that you just you're not quite there you know so definitely Canelo Alvarez is a uh, dream fight Do you regret taking the Johnson fight when there was other fights mainly Murata probably a pronunciation wrong there no but No that's a spot on Murata uh, Ryota Murata that fight was I had the contract and everything signed and sent away for the Ryota Murata fight for the WBA world title I had my flights and everything booked for me. I had my flight tickets to Japan to go over there and announce the fight for the press conference. And that fight fell through because he had a mandatory challenger that wasn't willing to step aside. And yeah, that fight never escalated then after that. So do I regret it? I regret taking the Johnson fight because it was beat, <laughs> but I, I regret, um, I don't regret taking the fight because of where it has landed me now in my career. You know, of course, you know, getting beat is never great in your career, but it, it, it 
woke me up to make a lot of changes that needed changed in my career and uh, I have made those now and uh, you know I'm in a lot better situation now than I was before that fight. Do you think uh, Billy Joe Saunders will give you any trouble? Has there ever been any talks? I presume talks of a match. A fight yeah, there's, a fight. there's been a few talks like nothing never serious or escalated but you know I aspired Billy Joe Saunders me and him were in the same gym and everything together with Ingles. I sparred him over in, uh, in Fort Aventura, the training camp. And yeah, that'll be a great fight. I'd be very excited for a fight with Billy Joe Saunders for sure. And where would uh, your dream fight be in, in Europe and the US? Dream fight in Europe would definitely be McCool Park in Donegal. That would be the dream venue and the dream uh, fight in there would be McCool Park, Donegal against Canelo Alvarez for the world title. That would be something unbelievable. <laughs> and then in the States... You probably answered that already, the MGM. But apart yeah, from the MGM... Yeah. Apart from that, now, I suppose I would really like to fight Madison Square Garden. Maybe that's another major, a major part... Of, of boxing uh, another major stadium in boxing that, that I haven't boxed at yet but I uh, definitely ticked off the one that, that I would want of most of MGM Graham but now I haven't done that I definitely would love to go to Madison Square Garden and just uh, a question for myself um, do you do you do a lot of weight cutting or do you find that hard do you have to do a lot yeah, of weight yeah uh, as, as part of boxing so it is it's uh, probably the most enjoyable part of boxing. It's uh, yeah, I do do a brave bit of weight cutting, so I do. Um, I'm a middleweight fighter. I probably walk around about 175 pound, 81, 82 kgs, and um, I end up fighting then at uh, 72 and a half kgs, 160 pound. So uh, yeah, there's a lot of weight cutting. There's a lot of discipline and dedication and stuff like that. It's never, it's never too easy, but you know, we get down there, we get on, and uh, we be as professional as ever and making the weight, and uh, we get in the end and perform to the best we can on fighting. Brilliant, brilliant. Look, uh, Jason, I'll uh, wrap up there because I have taken enough of your time. Um, really enjoyed it, and look, thanks very much for taking time out and coming on Inside View podcast, and best look with everything that's going forward. Thanks very much for having me. I appreciate it, lad. Good man. I hope you all enjoyed that interview, Jason. Um, read on third guy. Uh, very inspirational, and definitely how he he carries himself. Um, should be aware that other athletes should definitely look up to. Um, definitely, could not you know could not thank him more for taking time out and coming on. Um, and look, that's all from us on this week's episode. Please do get in contact with the show if you'd like to contribute in any way possible. Um, don't forget to rate, review, and tell your friends, family about an Inside View podcast. And if you want to stay up to date and to see what we're up to, um, do follow us on social media channels. It's on the ball team building over on facebook over instagram you'll find us at underscore on the ball team building and over on twitter it's at we are on the ball too that's the digit too we're also on linkedin um, if you search on the ball team building you'll find us there have a lovely week and be sure to tune in next week when we have another exciting guest till then stay safe and remember cred and a fan talk to you all soon and again thank you all for listening